Hello and welcome to Make Mine Mayday Audio Edition. I'm Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood host of the website and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Before we get started, I want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Spidey Network. Vinkman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, and Kaylee, thank you for your support of this show, as well as all of our shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. Shows such as Voices from the Area Gargoyles podcast, Amazing Spider-Man Classics with Season 2 dropping very soon, CSC, Clone Saga Chronicles, uh, the final episode dropping very soon as well. Of course, we also have the Spectacular Radio, the Spectacular Spider-Man podcast that was completed here on the show, or on the network, excuse me. And of course, we have all of our shows are available on our various podcasting platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify. Be sure to give us a five-star review and rate us on those various platforms. Helps us helps people find the show. Leave us reviews. You can leave us a review on on those particular platforms. You can leave us reviews on. Let's send us an email, makemymayday at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 818-925-6631. And of course, uh, we want to also let everybody know we do live stream these programs, so we give our disclaimer at the beginning of every episode. Pay us no mind as we uh, go through and uh, make some references to visual aids. Be sure to check us out if you like. If you want to know more, go on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Network. Of course, you can always find everything at makebymayday.com and spidey-dude.com as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening here on the Audio Edition, and we will see you very soon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make Mine Mayday, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. I'm Zach Joyner, the executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network and webmaster of Spidey-Dude.com, the website that powers this very podcast along with our YouTube and Facebook and Google and everything that we got going on here. So, uh, this episode, we're going to be covering issues 89 through 92, but we hope uh, that you're watching us here live on YouTube. And if you are, we thank you. We want to also thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. Patrons such as Vinkman, Scott, Jurgen, and Greg, thank you for your contributions to the website. All the monies that we put into it go back into the website and ensuring that this podcast and all the podcasts here on the Spidey Radio Network continue to to uh, prosper and grow we've got uh, asm classics going to be the second season going to be debuting soon we got our voices from the eerie show and we've got some very exciting guests lined up for that and of course we've got our spidey dude experience show where, where we talk all things spidey but of course it would not be a make mine mayday without kelly mcdaniel hi why am i on by myself where are you <laughs> i'm coming i'm coming okay. Uh, I also, just you we, sound a little got, muffled. I do. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I think it's a soundboard situation. Oh, okay. I will adjust accordingly. Is is this better? Yeah, it's better. Okay, it's because of where the microphone was angled. This uh, is. Yeah, this. The mic. I, I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I am. I, it's on my. It's on my to do list. But yes, I am Zach Joyner, Spidey Dude Radio Network executive producer. Uh, but we finally got Kelly a badge because, like, F- F- Kelly didn't have one. So <laughs> I was like, wait, we need one for Kelly. So, yeah, of course. So uh, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Make My Mayday. So I'm really excited. We got some comments in the comments section. Uh, SoFlo says hello. And 
Neil wants me to say, can I get a hell yeah, brother? Yep. Oh, hello, Ron friends. Hi. Uh, lots of Ron friends tonight of, of issues we're going to be covering. And uh, we, we got some fun ones. Uh, <laughs> the, the one I have to give a trigger, like, yeah, uh, sorry, trigger warning to you. Yeah, yeah. Let me, yeah, let me first of all fix our, our, our branding here for a second. I uh, hope everybody likes the new, uh, the new, the new features we got on, on here on the show. I still think it it would be perfect once you get that white banner around them, so that way they yeah. pop. Because yeah, well, Patreon's uh, getting a little lost there. Yeah, Patreon gets lost in the spider's web. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's really like I say, I'm super excited about uh, about this episode. Um, yeah, obviously the first the first issue we'll be covering tonight does carry a trigger warning um yeah. normally we don't have any news right now um I, no yeah, so, so we've got eight days until we figure out anything about the funko pops i've given them a break um we're recording on february 10th yeah so they're supposed to start shipping from um pop in a box on the 18th so we've got eight more days we'll see but that's really the only news that I have. And honestly, the only thing that I've really been seeing is I've seen a lot of newer Spider-Girl cosplays. I think that that's people just gearing up for new Spider-Verse at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have seen a lot more fan art lately, which is always a lot of fun. Um, Fiddy, um, who does amazing fan art, uh likes to repost others and i've seen a lot of newer artists that i haven't seen before and Mm -hmm. so always a fun time uh and then of course i think i think the major social media thing is people are like well why doesn't she have a video game and she wasn't a video game she was in the mobile game she Uh, wasn't yes yes she was uh, a clay and and she was like it wasn't like and she's been in other games she was in the first ultimate alliance game but she was just a recent uh jessica drew (laughs) she was an alternate costume yeah Uh, so that was count but yeah yeah so i mean it's i get shout out to jared right quick that is our newest subscriber and he's also my coworker. so (laughs) while i work days so hi jared um if the pops aren't in your possession in eight days, give <laughs> pop a box to hell. <laughs> we stormed the gates at midnight. Um, I mean, you know what I went through. I, it's not like I'm not going to uh, hold on to them. But yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of mm-hmm. it, really. I really haven't seen anything official or anything. Yeah, like, there's really much news. Yeah, and I mentioned a little bit of this last episode. We always kind of do what was going on with Marvel at this time. Um, I mentioned that at this point, we knew as a group, as a, as like the Spider Girl message board and, and the Spider Girl fandom at large, we were good through issue one hundred. Um, so we're starting to see these long term story plots kind of start to wrap up, and it really, I mean, starts kind of wrapping up here with issue eighty nine. If you are I forgot to give our disclaimer. If you're li- listening to the audio version of the podcast, please excuse our references to visual aids, as these are live streamed on YouTube. But you should, also, if you're listening to us, sorry, uh, sorry. if you're listening to us on those audio formats, give us five stars and uh, find us up on YouTube.com/slash Radio Network. Go ahead, uh, Kelly. No, you're fine. I was gonna say to everybody, especially audio only um, listeners, if you're reading along with us um, in issue eighty nine. 
we did, uh, Vinkman um, was kind enough to kind of question, and we were able to find that a page is missing again in, in the Marvel Unlimited and digital copies of uh, Spider-Girl 89. For some reason, Marvel Unlimited really hates any issue with Sandra. I don't know why. I blame uh, Howard. Yeah. <laughs> Howard works at Marvel. <laughs> don't do it. Well, considering he's, he's a namesake of two former Marvel employees, <laughs> which we'll get to that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... it's um. It's a little weird. Um, I think uh, when I brought it up on Twitter, um, I I did kind of say that I would bring up these two issues, mm -hmm. uh, like in an email to um, Marvel Unlimited support. But I don't know. Kind kind of uh, don't know where like where that's gonna go. I'm sorry, guys. I do I do agree that there is a major fear about these pages being lost. So mm -hmm. in this audio. In this podcast form, I will do my best to describe it in detail as best as possible. Um, we have put the screenshots of the pages. Yes, out, they, um, out they on will, social media. Yeah, and uh, for the record, in in all the episodes, like especially the two episodes we've talked about, uh, not this last episode, but the episode before last, where we had a missing page, it will be in the show notes. It will be so go to spidey-do.com. This page will be in the show notes as well. Yeah. Um, we will ensure that the show notes are in there and everything is on the up and up uh, just because we want to make sure that those that are listening to the audio version uh, know that they can find it at least uh, until it's fixed on Marvel Unlimited. Follow us on the social medias. If we get an update, we will pass that obviously along to you guys. Yeah, so obviously, like, most definitely don't always scan pages in. Um, you know, try to buy it where you can. But unfortunately, since these are lost and some people can't find the original copies to read through, and this one, this particular issue has not been republished uh, since the floppies. So this page is truly, truly lost yes. uh, until it's reprinted in the complete collection, hopefully. So knocking uh, on wood, the actual floppies for the scans, not using the just converting the digitals because yeah. obviously. Missing yeah. pages. We'll we'll see. So um I guess we'll go ahead and start since we don't really yes. have a whole lot to say otherwise. So I'm gonna go ahead and issue a trigger warning for issue eighty-nine. Um it does deal with domestic abuse. It's kind of its main topic. Um and this can be upsetting and unsettling to uh some listeners and viewers. So for anyone who like I said, uses our show to kind of listen to the comic or is this kind of their first go about with Spider-Girl and this issue, please be aware uh, that we will be talking through some tough top topics and, you know, obviously lis listener discretion is advised, but we will try to keep it as PG and PG-13 as possible. I have your dates, by the way. Thank you. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> Been, uh, uh, if anybody needs to know, uh, I woke up at two to make sure we had our show notes. Uh, <laughs> it's been, uh, it has been a week for both of us. <laughs> I started a new job. Kelly's had the week from hell, and I won't let her elaborate however much she wants. But like, it's been bad, and so, and I'm working twelve-hour days, so sixty-plus hours a week. So it's 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 been a big adjustment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hey, welcome to my world. That's <laughs> right. I know. 
Yeah, so it's it's uh it's it's been tough for us, but we're making it through and we're here and the show must go on. Exactly. So there you go, guys. So uh issue eighty nine, it's the girl who fell from Earth, and the date was the date was uh, cover date was October two thousand five. The on sale date was August third, two thousand five. All right. So uh we start the issue where May is getting dressed to go to school after a few days of rest from the events of last hero standing. May has her left arm in a cast cast from the chaos of the major fight with Loki and the Hulk. Um, May asks where her spider suit is, and this is where the lost page from Marvel Unlimited comes in. Um, MJ walks into May's room and asks her if she's she, like if she's really serious about needing her suit. And you know, May clearly has a broken arm and can't really go out until it heals. MJ thought that they had all agreed on that. And May says that she wants it just in case of an emergency. And Mary Jean tells her that she is grounded until her arm heals. And she burned the rags that were left of that suit anyway. May is kind of shocked that she just burned it um, at first. But as Mary Jane explains, she doesn't really want to talk about it. And May can see that MJ is clearly upset over how Peter and May risked their lives in Last Hero Standing. The family could really use a break from all this spider stuff for a bit. So May kind of lets, lets that go. And honestly, it's the fear in MJ's face that haunts May throughout the school day. Uh, Mr. Winterhalter, a character from Untold Tales of Spider-Man, and... Uh, who was also Peter's teacher and seemingly immortal because she looks the same uh, from Untold Tales to now, has uh, held May. Huh? That that's cute that that they brought her back and and she's, a, she's whole... immortal. <laughs> she is a Highlander. Yeah, she is a Highlander. So anyway, uh, oh no, maybe she's an Eternal. Yes, Eternal. That would make more sense. It would make timely. Sense. Yeah. So uh, basically, Mr. W uh, Mrs. Winterhalter has held May back from class to talk about how, you know, May was really unprepared for the school day and her grades are slipping. And, you know, after taking a few days off, she really should be doing a little bit better. Uh, but May promises she can make up the work if she's given the chance. And Mr. Uh, Mrs. Oh, sorry, guys. Mrs. Winterhalter agrees, reminding May that she does not like fools or slackers in her class. Uh, May is really feeling the pressure. Davida meets her outside and jokes about how old Mrs. Winterhalter is as they walk the hall. Davida asks May about her arm, and she says that her and her dad were trampled during the commotion with the Hulk a few days ago, something that barely registered on Davida's radar. Um, obviously, this isn't bad on Davida. Uh, this is marvel new york and basically that's a tuesday so it, you know it, it, i assume that they tune out any destruction news at, at all times um but that kind of freaks may out because she could have died in that battle and it's like it's barely registering on her friend's radar may asks why the cops are interviewing mr slatery when megan pops up undetectable to may's spider sense once again to tell may that they are looking for howard Seems like he put two, uh, whatever it seems, uh, but he put two students in the hospital. 
Mae's horrified as she knew Howard was abusing Sandra and she tried to convince them both to get counseling, but she feels like she failed. She just knows that Sandra has to be one of the victims, but who is the other the other person? May doesn't really have to ponder that thought for long when Moose literally slams Brad against the lockers, who was just trying to calm his friend down since Moose is on a rampage. Moose openly threatens that if he finds Howard, he'll kill him for what he did to Courtney. Moose storms off and May asks what, you know, if what they said was true, if uh, Howard hurt Courtney. Brad confirms, um, confirms what May missed when she was out with the Fantastic Five and what Marvel Unlimited forgot to scan in issue 88. Um, but that's not the worst of it. The police talk to Howard's parents and they think Howard stole his dad's gun when he ran off. May is beating herself up mentally for not being at school for the last few days. When Chris shows up to ask May out for coffee, clearly not the best time, dude. May tells him that she'll have to think about it uh, for another time. And Davida and May make a dash to the hospital to visit Courtney. Courtney explains what happened and that the hospital just wants her to stay for a few more days for tests. And I wrote more than likely due to the fact that just a few months ago, she finally left the hospital after being run over uh, by the faces. So poor Courtney can't seem to catch a break. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. And then I I think I even wrote, cause this, this kind of feels like this is March, April where the home in, the homecoming dance was more like October, November. Right. So yeah, yeah. it's only been like six months since May started all of this. Guys. <laughs> she's been, a, she's been a frequent flyer for all the wrong reasons at the hospital. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah, May, a, she's done with the hospital after this. I think so. Well, but well, they're still, yeah. they still wind up in the hospital. Just oh, that's she's right. not, she's a visitor. Yeah, there's a visitor. Yeah, yes. So anyway, uh, May is so angry and threatens to rip Howard's arms off. Something that might seem hyperbolic to Davida and Courtney, but we know that it's a very real possibility. <laughs> um, Caitlin from the women's shelter, uh, St. Andrews, the one that May sat um, in front of with Sandra on her birthday, comes in to check on her newest volunteer. She chastises May for speaking out violently as, you know, it doesn't really solve the issue of domestic violence. The only answer to to violence is to just kind of try and end that cycle. Caitlin asks where May has been lately as she's volunteered there before uh, after trying to help Sandra. And now the next thing she knows, she shows up with a broken arm in this hospital. Um, and Davida asks what St. Andrews even is. Caitlin explains the nonprofit. It's a shelter for victims of abuse where they can get counseling as they need it. Davida feels dense. She doesn't quite understand why this relates to Sandra and Howard at all. They're just kids. They're not married. Um, can't they just break up and be done with it? But Caitlin explains that that kind of logic doesn't apply to human relationships, that the heart wants what it wants. And this is kind of where I'm going to deviate off and start a rant a little bit, um, because I also feel like this does need to be said in this issue as we're breaking it down. Um, And 
I'm just kind of tweaking a little bit of what Caitlin says to update the information um, and kind of make it align with the current rain outlines. There is a lot of manipulation and intimidation in abusive relationships. Uh, you can even look at that at, with Brenda's uh, boyfriend in her first appearance. Sometimes partners will wear you down and make you feel small, unloved by the world, and dependent on them. Um, like they are the only ones who really know and understand you and your friends and family just don't. Anyone who raises the, a concern about that is the enemy and, you know, and not looking out for you. They're not looking out for your best interest, but only they are that your abuser. Um, they use love and kindness as a weakness to control you and they will alienate you to keep you down for their control. And, you know, that's a large thing that we're going to talk about is that part of the cycle because I don't feel like that was explained clearly in this scene the way it should have been because saying just that, you know, the heart wants what it wants. It, it's not telling like, there's a lot of uh, manipulation in mm -hmm. what you think you want. Absolutely. So I want to, that's why I'm like, I knew, I need to throw that out there before we get it, before we get too far into the story and kind of have to backtrack that. Um, but like I said, Caitlin does touch on this as well a little bit, advising that one-thirds of women under 20 will have suffered some form of dating violence. Um, and that, of course, does not extend to just physical. It can extend across every socioeconomic, ethnic, and religious background. It can be emotional. It can be mental. Um, you know, that jealousy, possessiveness, and threats are used to diminish the victim's independence and isolate isolate her, but honestly, it can happen to all genders. So isolate them from their friends and family. Like many people who suffer from abuse, teenage victims only want the, vi like any victim, but real, especially teenage victims, they really only want the violence and the pain of the roller coaster of emotions to go away. A lot of times when you're younger and your brain isn't like fully formed, uh, with, uh, you know, your rational skills and all that because I think what that's the last thing in your brain to develop in your mid-20s is yeah. yeah so the thing is is that there's a childlike thing of where there's still some hope for the relationship because they do feel love for their partner and they think that that makes it all worth it and it's not I mean anybody of any age can that can happen to but it does seem to be prevalent amongst younger um, abuse victims or survivors. Uh, so Davida feels so blind um, to all of this. Like she feels really blindsided. She, this was not on her radar. She didn't know anything was wrong with Sandra and Howard at all. Caitlin tells Davida that a lot of abuse victims will cover up and hide the abuse to protect their partner and slash family member and normally internalizes that guilt. They're made to believe that it's their fault. So why make it any, why make it everyone's problem too? Why speak out when it's going to hurt the person you think you love and just cause more them more pain and cause more drama? Um, you know, when you can just pretend it's not happening or hide it. Um, like I said, especially when you feel that guilt. So May says she's going to check in on Sandra and Caitlin joins her to kind of ask again about the cast. Caitlin doesn't quite believe May on her being just accident prone and reminds me that we can all feel overwhelmed on occasion and we can't always lash out at the things that make us feel helpless. Caitlin sees Sandra's parents who are fighting in the hallway again um, about what's going on. And Sandra's dad is kind of 
putting all of the blame of Sandra being in an abusive relationship and what happened to Sandra on her mom uh, because she needed to work to help support the family. Something that when, you know, brought up that, you know, this is just to make sure the bills are paid, uh, makes Sandra's dad more upset because he sees it as a dig towards himself. This shows another form of abuse, one that might be a bit more subtle, and that Sandra's dad is so insecure about his place in the world that instead of admitting to himself and looking at the situation, uh, you know, and his family, uh, and just be appreciative of his wife working to help keep the bills paid and kind of work on himself, he's taking his insecurities out on his wife and blames her for what's happening. And he's probably also done that to Sandra. So Sandra really doesn't know any other way uh, when it comes to love because this is what she's used to. Um, so it, because like I said, it's something that it seems like Joyce, which is Sandra's mother, takes often. If this is a normal dynamic in the household, uh, like I said, Sandra might never have realized relationships aren't supposed to have this kind of toxic dynamic. She might have not been told or raised with a healthy sense of self-worth because it seems like her parents struggle with healthy communication and their own demons that they don't want to admit uh, they kind of just don't want to admit that they're not necessarily the healthiest people um, and kind of seem to like to point blame at each other. So sometimes abuse can just be people not wanting to take accountability for themselves and placing that blame onto you. Um, so Sandra's dad storms off, threatening to also use violence against Howard when he finds him. May feels guilty. Um, she lashed out at Howard the last time and it didn't scare him into stopping. She's tired of helping Sandra with counseling and it didn't stop the abuse. What's the solution for this? She walks in to see Sandra is badly beaten and Sandra looks really disfigured from how hard Howard beat her. While Courtney was worse for wear, Sandra needs help breathing because of her bruises. Howard clearly took his rage out on her the most. Sandra says with tears in her eyes, for May not to tell her I told you so. That she knows May warned her about, about this, but the thing is, for Sandra, she didn't see Howard as a monster. She saw his love bombing and forgiveness cycle as something worth holding on to. That when they were up in their cycle, you know, he was attentive, he was loyal, and he was always apologetic and begged for forgiveness when things were bad and he wanted her back. Sandra says, though, that this time the limit for the amount of abuse that, abuse that she can take uh, for those good moments has finally been crossed. She can't go back to him after this. It's finally done. And Sandra asks Courtney and May, uh, or uh, Sandra asks about Courtney, and May tells her she'll be fine, and so will Sandra. May then, in almost a whisper, asks Sandra where she can find Howard. May leaves the hospital lost in thought. She wants to crush Howard for what he did, but she knows that won't make things better. And she knows that she needs to find Howard so Moose and Sandra's dad don't do things that they'll regret either. May thinks of how Sandra took the abuse as a form of love from Howard, that maybe in a twisted way, Howard did love her. But what drives that kind of action in people? What triggers this kind of violence? Is it fear or frustration? How do you truly end the cycle of violence? Rain starts to pour as May walks into Midtown Park. But this is where Sandra told May she might find Howard 
uh, in their special spot where they used to talk about the future and make plans when things were in the love bombing part of the cycle. May finds Howard up against a tree and tells him calmly that he needs to come with her. Howard, clearly in a panic and frenzied state, says that he has a gun and he's not going to jail. He knows his dad is going to go ballistic from how badly uh, Howard messed up. And he knows Sandra won't take him back now. So he's going to do something to really teach Sandra a lesson for breaking up with him in the first place. Because this is all her fault. He's threatening to use the gun on himself. To attempt to end his life just out of spite. This is also an abuse tactic to try and get sympathy. To try and turn the conversation into them being the victim. And for the person that is pointing out their misdeeds and wrongdoings to feel guilty. This is kind of what he's been doing to Sandra this whole time. And to Howard, he thinks he loves Sandra so much that no one else can have her and her leaving him, rejecting him is all her fault. And he's got to find a way to make her feel pain and guilt. He thinks that this will teach her a lesson because that's real love. And, and I'm sorry, but that's not how suicidal people think ever. Right. You're truly suicidal. You're not thinking like this. It's not out of spite. So this is, like I said, this is one of those manipulation tactics that abusers do. Uh, so, and I wrote, this is clearly an abuse tactic. Um, and what I mean when I say that most domestic violence situations don't immediately start out in physical violence. It starts out with emotional blackmail, which is abuse, which is exactly what Howard's doing to May right now. Howard shoots the gun at May, not himself, now choosing to blame May for the whole situation because what just what he just did didn't work. Um, she should have never gotten involved and should have left Sandra alone. She put the crazy idea of self-worth in Sandra's head. How dare May do that to Howard? May quickly dodges the bullets and knocks the gun out of Howard's hand by kicking him back into, a tr into the tree. She was trying to avoid hurting him, but he did fire the gun at her. May almost, for a moment, lets her anger get the best of her and almost uses her full strength on Howard to punch him in the head, but she hits the tree next to him, like, next to his head instead. She lets go of Howard and picks up the gun, smashing it into pieces with her right hand. May's spider sense goes off and she sees Howard leaving. She goes, uh, he goes on as May, uh, he goes on about May as he storms off, telling her that all women are alike, that they just push and nag and, and they bring this violence onto themselves. And just because this is just like his father always says to him, that they have to keep the women in line. This line alludes to a strong possibility that Howard learned this from his father and that he thinks this is how a man is supposed to act in a relationship because that's, again, all he's been exposed to. Uh, but before Howard can leave the park, a looming, threatening presence towers over Howard. Moose has found Howard and all he can say is, you hurt Courtney. And he starts beating on Howard in his anger. Howard now directs the blame of his actions on Courtney because it's got to be everyone but him that's at fault, right? So Moose isn't 
buying this baloney and continues his beating until May stops him and tells him that this isn't the way to end the cycle of violence. Moose is still so angry and wants justice for Courtney. Howard needs to be punished, and May agrees, but not by their hands. May thinks Howard is so broken he might never be fixed by this, but Moose has a choice in this moment to be the kind of person that Courtney deserves, a person that Courtney or that Moose should want to be. He should let his feelings of help he shouldn't let his feelings of helplessness and fear guide his anger. This calms Moose down and they stand over Howard, who is sobbing, and they start to cry too. They take Howard to the police, and Moose clearly is gets a smirk on his face when they read Howard his rights and arrest him. Moose went uh, leaves to go check on Courtney and May heads home. May isn't sure what she really accomplished today. She knows Howard is going to be surrounded by his family and lawyers since the system is as broken as Howard is, especially on domestic violence matters. Justice might not be on Sandra's side, but May can't think like that anymore today. She's got other concerns. She remembers what Caitlin said, that abuse comes in many forms. It can be as blatant as a black eye or as subtle as a disapproving glance. We all feel overwhelmed at times, and life can be really complicated and scary. But we don't have to bear those burdens alone. May comes in and hugs her mother, and it looks like they're about to sit down and talk about their day. And that is the end of this issue. Uh, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to to let give a second to breathe, but the truth is, the subject matter of this particular comic book is utterly and completely horrific. Someone, <clears throat> as someone who has experienced various levels, not nearly to the point of what Sander went through, um, of this over the year, the, over my time on this earth, I know that it is something that doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And there's usually so much more to it. Uh, you know, you've, you've alluded in your recap the layers to which this probably occurred, that this was nature and nurture yeah. situation. Uh, or lack thereof. Well, I mean, and too, it's like, I'm just kind of putting this on them from the context that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm not trying to armchair expert fictional characters. Right. But <laughs> But yeah, I mean, some of the some of the lines that that, that Howard um, makes. I, I mentioned earlier, and I think I mentioned this last time. Howard uh, Kavanaugh's name is a uh, little subtle nod to Howard Mackey and Terry Kavanaugh, who were uh, fellow I'm writers. Sure, I'm, I'm sure they they felt very honored to <laughs> this character in this way. I don't know how they feel about. It. But and maybe Ron, if he's if he's if he's can jump on, can kind of uh, maybe give some insight on that. Um, but you know, this is something that again we talk about the the fact that in a in a creative sense, most of the time, Marvel never can get to a point where the world that they an alternate universe or a world that is built can get to a point where you can have particular issues like this. 
I do want to mention uh, <clears throat> there was the letters page um, that Tom DeFalco uh, wrote. Is, it is Yeah. Uh, he said, quote, I'm not a writer. I'm, I'm a writer, not a preacher. Excuse me. Sorry, I screwed that up. I'm a writer, not a preacher. An entertainer, not teacher. But too many teenage girls are getting are being brutalized by their so-called boyfriends. Let's all do all we can to help stop the circle of violence. To learn more about this great American tragedy, look up teenage dating violence on the internet and become as horrified as he is. Enough said, Tom D. So, um, I, I would even argue that it's no, it's not even a American tragedy. It is a worldwide tragedy. Um, it doesn't matter where you are. It, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in whatever part of the world is. Uh, this, this is something that, that unfortunately occurs um, far too often. Um, they, they could have easily made this an after-school special, but wait, wait, they. It is, but it's not, because I think it, 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 it treats this the subject matter with a seriousness that doesn't come across as preaching. Well, I mean, that's what all after-school specials want to be. <laughs> right, right. In, in, in an ideal world, yeah. Um, that, that's, but sometimes they came, they were a little more heavy-handed. Um, and not intentionally, just that's how they come across sometimes. I didn't feel that way this with this issue, and I didn't feel that way when it came out in two thousand five. I, I was in uh, a junior in high school um, when this was released. Actually, no, I'm sorry, I was a senior in high school when this was released. Um, you know, I hadn't experienced any of that type of thing. I hadn't really dated much uh, at that time, so so the subject matter it, it felt horrific. But you heard, you heard stories. Of your friends or, or, or acquaintances that you, that had this type of thing happen to them, and you just you, you never think that it could happen to you. You never think it could happen to anybody you know close. But far too often, um, it, it happens, and nobody and 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 nobody hears it. Um, well, a lot of times, and that's one reason why, like, I was constantly bringing up that the domestic violence isn't always physical, and it's not always. Yeah always you know it doesn't always start off physical and um you know i i know like behind the scenes i've expressed in detail on things that have happened to me um right and I try so to, like, i'm, skirt around I'm gonna it. give you the floor on this now <laughs> yeah, because yeah no um i've i've skirted like i've skirted around it and i don't want to like bring the whole thing down <laughs> uh, goes don't look at me on the name of ron <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Uh, we're I mean, Excuse me. Sorry, Ron. It's just an interesting choice. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, obviously this issue is important to me and I've talked about this on air before. So, you know, I'm not going to bore anybody about why it's important. Um, but I do kind of want to share a little bit since we are actually talking about it. And I did say that I would um, when we got here, but obviously, you know, it's, it's not news that I, have been in an abusive relationship and that I have used RAIN resources um, to get help and get out. And, you know, it wasn't physical violence at first. In fact, you know, 
it was like technically it was cheating and then using that cheating as a manipulation to make me feel like I was inadequate or that I had done something wrong and I actually fell for it because he used a lot of things that I had confided in him about previous relationships and past mistakes of my teenage years and early 20s that, you know, kind of made me feel bad about myself. And, you know, those things were one of the things on why I stopped reading Spider-Girl for a little bit because I used to read it religiously yearly. Um, And I stopped because I really didn't want to, it was almost kind of like I didn't like who I saw. So I didn't want to, I didn't want May to see me uh, since she was the person I wanted to be. And I felt like I strayed too far. And this guy really hammered that home, not necessarily with Spider, using Spider Girl for that, not like that, but he really hammered home how worthless and horrible I am and that, you know, he was the only, he was the best that I was going to get. So I just had to deal with it. And I know that sounds weird. Like people are like, how, why would you even listen to that? Like, how would you even think like that? But the thing is, is it's, it's straight up. They use like abusers use cult tactics. (laughs) And when you want to believe something, you know, so bad because you want something, you're willing to kind of put up with it and deal with it and start believing it, especially if they're charming enough to twist that. I think, you know, we see that with Brenda and her first boyfriend. We don't see what she sees in him, but she saw something and he used her insecurities and her pain to manipulate her into doing things she didn't want to do. Um, You know, I, I was never like super hit physically um by this ex uh he did more things that were more of a popular hashtag but um you know basically all i'm saying is it's just you don't know like you kind of always think that it's never going to be you until it happens to you and it's hard you know it's really hard to um get out of that because once you lose those boundaries um and that's kind of what I was talking about when I was also going to say like you know this isn't just this kind of abuse doesn't happen with just uh a spouse or a significant other or a family member um it can be friends absolutely Uh, and when I got out of this I went into where all the friends that had surrounded me when I was with this guy were using me just as much as he was. Um, like I said, like the thing with the suicidal stuff, I had a friend that literally told me she'd kill herself anytime I couldn't do what she wanted when she wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was always a big giant dramatic um, traumatic. I think I already said traumatic. It's a huge traumatic situation. Yeah. Because she just wants the attention on herself and all of that stuff. Like, I mean, from my abuser, from that friend, from everything, they all have their own abuse stories too. And it's kind of stuff that you've either learned or, you know, something you beat yourself up with, you have guilt or, you know, you kind of lose your self-esteem and fall into it. And it's really hard to get kind of get back on that. 
Um, but this is something that Rain really helped me with. And when I called them to get assistance and was given help uh, with trauma counseling, I really started to finally heal a bit. And from there, I was able to kind of work on setting boundaries. And, you know, obviously, I had some so-called friends that um, had to go. Uh, but, you know, it, it really helped me kind of turn around and kind of turn everything around and not continue in that cycle. Because ultimately, when you feel bad about yourself, you're going to want others to feel bad too. And I didn't want to hurt anybody else. Um, so it, this this story fell out of a moving box um, when I was kind of shuffling around during this time. And I don't know why it shouldn't have fallen out, but um, me picking this back up and rereading it and kind of it resonating with me after so many years of not fully understanding the situation and thinking that it was never going to happen to me uh, really brought things home and kind of really helped put me in perspective that even though I didn't feel like someone that, you know, May would be proud of, like, you know, that spider girl would be proud of, I can make the changes today to be that person and really used that and used making my costume and, you know, working out and getting better and, you know, all the other stuff I was doing uh, to kind of help heal me and make myself that person that I wanted to be. And, you know, had I not done that and kind of weighed and like pushed through all of that and really worked on myself and worked on getting out, um, you know, I wouldn't have done the costume and I wouldn't have had Shy town ask me to, uh, to come on the crawl space and then meet Zach and everybody <laughs> ready, dude, and do this. And so, you know, I'm very thankful for the serendipity, whatever happened on why this issue fell back out and reminded me when I was so lost that, you know, you don't have to just stay in that cycle. You can get out. Absolutely. Uh, only thing I was going to mention is the rain hotline number. Yes. Thank uh, you. For the, uh, for those that might be undergoing something similar to this. And uh, when we, cause I'll be editing these videos soon. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I'll probably be putting this as, as, as like a, a, a single video. Cause I think it's an important issue to highlight. Uh, one of the it is one of the best issues of of, uh, of Spider Girl, yeah. and that's high praise because Spider Girl consistently has had, has incredible issues. But the Rain Hotline number for those that are not uh, watch looking on the screen and maybe our audio listeners is one eight hundred six five six forty six seventy three. Uh, their website is rain dot org eight hundred one eight hundred seven nine nine safe is the national domestic violence hotline it was one of several hotlines that molly laser uh included i'll i'll we'll close with her notes abuse doesn't have to be just physical it can be mental emotional psychological or spiritual and it's not only teenage girls who are the victims but women and men of all ages are suffering abuse at the hands of boyfriends girlfriends spouses relatives and acquaintances below you'll find a list of resources 
you can go for help and information. Whether you're a victim of abuse, a friend or a relative of someone being abused, or you need help to stop hurting someone you love. Molly. Um, batteredmen.com, uh, seeitandstopit.org, uh, forwomen.gov slash violence, um, inabuse.org, and abinet.org, uh, which is the American Bar Association Commission on Domestic Violence. Uh, we'll put all this information in our show notes. It will be in the audio show notes as well. I would also say, too, if these options don't necessarily work for you, yeah. um, you know, now there is things like the Me Too movement. Absolutely. And other um, like subreddits. There, there's a way to get help when Absolutely. you recognize that you you need it. Um, it it's, it's really hard. Um, you know, it's really hard when you're in it mm-hmm. to not see see everything but you know it's harder when you see it and you can't get out absolutely so it's you know definitely do what you can um when you when you can absolutely uh all all this information will be in like i say in our show notes i'll add them to the show notes uh, on the youtube page as well um it's it is an important topic, an important issue, and we I feel like we we needed to we need to de- definitely uh, discuss it and talk about it. But let's pivot yes. to something a lot lighter. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, uh, so the the next three issues are a lot lighter, um, and I think we should we'll probably get through them pretty quickly. Yes, but it's good because we need the palate cleanser. Yes, um, I don't know if you want to look at the comments before we move on though um but that's up to that's up to you yes uh i i I, before we move on ron friends had a comment he said one of the places this story came from was my own experience with being manipulated in relationships finding himself as part of a destructive patterns it's hard to see when you're in it harder to still to remove yourself from it and that is a hundred percent true i can tell you um Removing removing yourself can be the most the that, hardest thing to do. That that was the hardest thing to do. Oh, absolutely. And, and that, that, well, even I'll be honest, even now, um, like with friend friend groups, mm-hmm. they because a lot of times too, people who haven't experienced it, like I said, they never think that they're going to be in it. They don't think that like they kind of think that you're weak, or there's something kind of already set in you. Mm-hmm. to accept it. it it's that it's very much uh, victim blaming and um you know or or the thing is they don't want to get into it they, they don't want to yeah. hear about it because they don't want to hear that their friend is a monster they don't want to hear that you know this or that they don't want to get involved and um it's hard because sometimes you have to cut out friend groups and you have to like completely change your your life to mm. do it, but you have to decide that you're worth that. Absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 you know, sometimes it may think you may think that it's a selfish act, but it could be the act that saves your life. Well, and sometimes being selfish and doing things for you is the best thing you can do for absolutely. anybody else. And mm. Because if, if you're not a hundred percent you and you're a diminished you, how can you 
be of service to anybody else around you. And um, yeah, we could we could spend uh, probably yeah, another hour talking about this yeah. uh, and relaying even our own personal experiences and going into more detail. But let's palate cleanse. Let's talk right. about Attack of the Fifty so, Tall the, Spider Girl. One of one of the best uh, palate cleansers ever. Issue ninety. Yes. Um, uh, written. Uh, script, plot, and pencils by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Uh, Salby Sima did the uh, art finishes. Once again, the artist emeritus are Pat Olaf and Al Williamson. Um, this was released on uh, September 8th, 2005. Cover dated November 2005. All right, so our issue opens with a, like a smoking punch with Mayday suddenly back in class, but her spider sense continues to go off, and then she turns into a turtle. What? We then get the title of the issue, which is Spider Girl Interrupted. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Mayday's like, I think I've morphed into a hideous sort of turtle creature. And uh, she's like, and her teacher's like, do you have a question for me? And she's like, I'm a turtle. <laughs> the I bell like, rings. I like how you're not talking. Like you're just you're straight up just laughing through this. <laughs> I know, because like it's just it's crazy. <laughs> so Mayday, you know, shows up and she's like, uh, her friend, like the bell rings and they're leaving class and she's like, hey, can you, you know? <laughs> Davida's like, you're a little stressed, and Mayday's like, I'm a turtle. <laughs> and Davida's like, so what's the big deal? You've got you've got all your secrets. You're constantly hiding in your shell. And then uh, Chris is like, uh, Chris shows up. He's like, you got a minute? Never mind. I'm just gonna. There's no point in talking to you. So then she just kind of, you know, slunts off as a turtle. Meanwhile, so May walking around as a turtle. We've got these random fairies and other turtles. Some uh, a floating head of Mayday fighting in a fog occurs. This is clearly a dream. Yes, clearly. I, I know. I'm keeping up the illusion. Okay. Wink, wink. So, Mayday gets back to the house whenever she suddenly turns into an Archie-like character <laughs> where where she uh, then has a bit of a fashion uh, fashion parade with her mom. Yeah, like like what would happen in an Archie comic. Yes, very, very Archie-like. Uh, so, May runs downstairs, talks to her dad, and so her dad's like, why are you at home, May? Um, and he's like, you should be out being Spider-Girl. He's kind of yelling at her. And then he's like, uh, he's telling her about all these various things. And suddenly, May turns into half Spider-Girl, half Roadrunner? That's right. So she then turns, and May is half Roadrunner, half Spider-Girl, goes and takes care of all these these situations. As she's running around town, Roadrunner style, she suddenly stops. Says there's very something very familiar about this place, and her spider sense going off. She's like, it's all coming back to her now. There's only one person capable of creating a nightmare as realistic as this. Misery. She is returned. So in her uh, Rachel Summers esque Rachel Summers slash uh, Phoenix from the Fox movies look. Yes, she very much looks like uh, Phoenix from from the from uh, X Men: The Last Stand. So it's also a homage to her first appearance too. It is. Um, so May and, and Misery begin their fighting with each other, and suddenly uh, she gets hit with more gas, and she turns into a giant girl spider, not man spider, 
girl spider. She is now a mo- she's like your little physical manifestation of the monster you've become. So she then you know screams at her dad. She's like, "Mom, dad, it's me. I'm I'm not a monster." And Peter's like, "She must be destroyed." And this is kind of very King Kong like. And then all of a sudden, the military starts uh, firing. King Kong. Okay, attack. Kajira. Was that? Kajira. Oh, that's true. Godzilla. Godzilla. It's very Godzilla-like. So, Meg, Meg is not Why down. pick the monkey when there's a dinosaur? That's that's fair. That's fair. Very very old school horror, yeah. like fifties sci-fi. Kaiju. kaiju, old kaiju sci-fi. Yes, very much so. So then, Meg goes from being a giant, fifty-foot-tall spider girl spider to suddenly shrinking down, down, and then all of a sudden, she goes down the water spout. The little spider, the itsy bitsy spider. She becomes the itsy, literally the itsy bitsy spider. But then May's like, I can't take it anymore. And this mysterious force ghost from the past says, That's not the May Parker I've come to know. And so May asks who this mysterious force ghost voice is. And she says, Someone who's always been watching over you. Now you listen to me, young lady, you're no quitter. You're a lot tougher than you think. You will always have the strength and care of mind and character to live, to fight, and to win. Suddenly, May recognizes this voice. She goes, good, because you can never forget that your name is May Mayday Parker, and you are the daughter of Spider-Man. And then, of course, (laughs) Misery's like, give me a break. She's trying to... uh, She's trying to, you know, diminish what, what's going on with May and May's, May's head, but she basically says, do me a favor. Smile for the camera, and as Mayday looks like she's punching you, turns out she's punching her way out. Sure enough, she punches her way out of the tube, and <laughs> again, Misery's like, this cannot be happening a second time. Is it second or third? The second. The second time. Because so, yeah. uh, I think this is, this is Misery's official second appearance because I think she might have appeared like in passing at something like a flashback or something yeah. but this is her second this is her second showdown with May since the annual okay of 1999 so this has been six six years half, about six years yeah so so needless to say May uses some uh, impact webs on her and says, you know, <laughs> she's trying to figure out why she did it. Apparently, it was her agent's idea, honest. And May's like, no, go ahead. Escape. Really, please, I'm begging you. Back at home, um, May is going through a box of photos. And she is trying to find all these box of photos. Um, and she's going, no, no, no. <laughs> Commenting on, on Peter's hair. And then finally, she finds the picture that she wants. It is a picture of her namesake, Aunt May. And she talks about how she, she died before she was born, but Dad certainly had enough pictures of her around the house. That And she he's often told me about that speech she once gave him. I'm real proud to be named after his beloved Aunt May, just the woman I hope to become someday. So, uh, get the letters page, where there's a May Day fashion parade. They, want to public, they thanked uh, Carmen Zine, Ming Ming Lee, uh, Jocelyn Bravo, who all attend PS124 in Brooklyn, New York, for contributing their three terrific fashions that Mary Jane tried 
Mayday on this issue. Way to go, ladies. There's a future for you in the fashion world for all three. If anybody wants to contribute fashions for Mayday to wear and they're not looking for new costumes for Spider-Girl, please uh, feel free to send their designs. So that was something that was happening on the message board at the time. Uh, we then have a brief scene, two-page scene, where we see some uh, guys that were, were trying to rob Osborne Chemical. And uh, needless to say, the masks are the least of their worries. They've You should have chosen a different target um, because the Osborne Corporation is under the protection of this mysterious shadow. We then turn the page, and uh, we find out that the mysterious shadow is Darby Osborne. So... Apparently, he's going to pay all their hospital bills, courtesy of Norman Osborn. The end for now. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> um, I, what I really love this issue, it's just, it's zany, it's silly. I, uh, I think Ryan uh, Reed, who mm -hmm. also has his podcast, where he just interviewed uh, Jeffrey, who was on episode two three um when we did One. the round table yeah. um so they're talking they were talking about um i think some spider girl stuff i need to listen mm -hmm. to it i'm sorry guys um but i know that like um uh, i know ryan had said that misery is his favorite villain and i she's a lot of fun she is a lot of fun and um I think her really, because she uses the dreams to try and belittle May and make May feel smaller. And, you know, it just, it never seems to work out in Misery's favor. Um, no, she, she, she really, she really doesn't. I mean, she's like, she is the Mysterio type for May, but no. she's even more bumbling than Clinton. Okay, so I don't think she, I don't necessarily think she's bumbling as much as I think she, this is the thing. May has a sense of self that yes. is just unparalleled and is, so you have to think of it, Misery was an actress. And most actresses, most people in um, entertainment can be very, very, very insecure because of how the industry is. So right. that's kind of why she's trying to play these scenarios to really beat home, you know, that May is, you know, there's a lot of things that May doesn't like about herself. And she doesn't. But like her guardian angel and namesake says, you know, she's not a quitter and you have to keep going and keep trying. And, you know, that's always been may's motto for mantra and so i really i enjoyed this i enjoyed all the different uh art styles and the references yes. and vinkman did say that yes there is a king kong line here so technically zach's correct but i don't <laughs> like the banana breath okay i prefer the scaly monster you should, uh, moss. Uh, when it's when it's down to Godzilla versus Kong. She is firmly in Godzilla. Firmly with Godzilla. Yep. Um, also, okay. I, I've forgotten this, and Vinkman did mention the Force Ghost. Uh, May Aunt May Force Ghost from this issue was the answer to a Spider Jeopardy question that I got wrong. And I think I remember what episode that was, and I ended up like getting second place because I missed that question. So. 
Um, but I also, too, before we move on, I do want to talk about this Normie situation. <laughs> bringing it up because this is oh, so boy. this is dorky <laughs> like mm. this makes me like this scene makes me feel like he's a little less evil and a little less intimidating that we've been seeing him as we're getting all this tease especially because like he goes I'll make sure I pay your bills thank you for the practice um, but it's still extremely ups like unsettling and you know there's certainly I don't know how to make make of his not so lethal protector situation that he's got going on and you don't know what he's up to and the fact that he keeps wanting to use Norman just it, it, it almost like it's it's skin crawling like stop <laughs> I don't disagree with that I, I it very it, it, there's a creep factor that, that is kicked in with this and I, I and, and and like you say, it's unsettling to see a character, especially like Normie, who is very well established at this point. Uh, you know, kind of being that sort of tweener. You know, he's not a bad guy. He's not necessarily a good guy because he's not doing things the right way. But we, I mean, we kind of knew that he was. He he's not like a he's very much of a vigilante type. Like, I mean, he's willing to break the rules to do what he feels is right. And he is kind of someone who the ends will justify the means. Right. But it's the way he talks in this. I think that's so like, it's unsettling and it's dorky all at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's kind of almost it's, which is a little bit more foreshadowing of what we do find out. But like this right here feels like a little kid playing it. And you can take that as unsettling because he's literally playing with these people that are trying to rob the company or it's dorky because it, he's literally just playing with them. Like he's toying with them. He's not really stopping the fight. He's not really doing anything. He, he's, it's almost on the same vein as Phil and Green Goblin. Sometimes it, like, it's almost like it's, it's a little, it's a game. And I, I just don't know what to think of it. And it really bugs me. And this, this particular like little panel here, cause this is the first time that it kind of broke where then I was like, okay, he's not evil when I first read it, but I was like, but what is going on here? So just, I just wanted to bring that up. But he, he does. He does sound like a dork. He, he, he does dork. He's he's very dorky. But I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, uh, I enjoy. I enjoy it. It's just it's it's funny. We we start to see a little bit of his dorkiness. This is very yeah. No, I agree. Uh, just my my brief thoughts on the issue are great artwork. I mean the art styles, and I'm not saying this, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up the person's keister because he's literally listening to us right now but ron the way ron was able to adapt his art style to to have these little cues i love the literal and metaphorical cues of like how this issue ha occurs it it really it, this is i, I don't I'm not saying pat couldn't have done this issue but i feel like that the that Ron just elevated it to another level. And I just, it, 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 
it is bonkers. The best, <laughs> the only way of describing it truly is bonkers. And after the heavy subject matter of last last issue, for this to come in right after was just so good. Uh, you know, a fifty foot tall, at least in Mayday's case, she didn't grow with extra, you know, forearms. So it could have been even more on the nose. Well, I mean, this is a dream. So. This is true. I don't know if Peter, maybe Peter's never told her the story about how he grew four extra arms. Or how do you bring that up in just a casual conversation? Did that, did that actually happen in in their world, though? Oh, that's a question. That's a good question. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, like I say, I will move on to the next issue. <laughs> yeah, which is another great fun issue. Yes. Um, where we get to we get to see uh, someone who at the time maybe shouldn't have been in the comic, but now it makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. It's foreboding. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, is, it is foreshadowing, and it, the yeah. truth is... Wow, is <laughs> yeah, yeah, the foreshadowing uh, that happens here is brilliant, and I love it, and it's very similar to um, Spidey. But go on. I'm talking about the Easter egg that's in here this little nod to something that was very popular at the time that this issue came out. Oh, okay. But you'll have to, <laughs> I, guess so. I guess so. Cause maybe you've for- forgotten, <laughs> but, or maybe you didn't notice. Uh, but basically uh, we start the issue off where May and Mary Jane are at a spider based fashion show. Uh, May found out that Kingsley Comfortware was going to mass produce a spider person themed line and got her mom to score them tickets to the runway. May is pretty appalled by the ripoff. Um, Daniel Kingsley comes out and while May makes mention, he looks he looks pretty creepy. Her mom says that his brother is worse, which makes May believe that they're not quite model citizens. Uh, May's spider sense goes off and as that happens, so do gas grenades. A masked menace is there to tell Kingsley off for ripping off Spider-Woman. Rightly so. Uh, you know, basically, this masked person is upset that Daniel is ripping people off who have risked their lives to protect the innocent and aren't seeing a single dime from Kingsley. Daniel tries to play innocent and May knows she needs to basically change into her spider suit and stop this unknown entity from doing further damage even if uh, she does really agree with what they are saying. This vigilante is called La Fantôme and they start pointing a weapon at Daniel which then Spider Girl makes her entrance and tries to remind the Phantom that Daniel is unarmed and this stunt is causing a major panic with bystanders. Bystander. Sorry, guys. I can't talk. Uh, <laughs> but Le Phantom can't believe Spider-Girl isn't 100% on board with her cause. You know, that they need to bring Daniel down. Uh, and it needs to be done, particularly La Phantom's way. And, well, you know, in chaos. So, Daniel slips out and... Uh, tramples Mary Jane, who both Spider-Girl and La Fantôme 
agree that Mary Jane needs to be saved. In fact, La Phantom advised that Mrs. Parker is worth a thousand Kingsleys. May makes a web ball to protect her mom and they hang out until it melts away about an hour or so. May changes back into her civvies and has their statement taken by a police officer and May talks to her dad and tells her that the police officer's cute and then he says he's married. There's some kind of very quippy conversation there. Um, She tells him that Mary Jane is talking to Daniel and apparently Peter says something that May is not repeating. (laughs) Uh, Seems... Seems both parents have an issue with the Kingsleys. Daniel explains he thought he could basically make this line, this fashion line, and find a way to build on the Spider Shop franchise without paying a dime in royalties because he doubts Spider-Man ever saw anything from what was made in his likeness, and they keep making reference to a lousy comic in their world. Um, May gets cheesed by this, and as MJ and May talk. May realizes she does sound a little paranoid, but when everyone you know and your family knows is either a hero or a villain, it's a bit hard not to. Um, And especially when she learns that Daniel's brother Roderick was the Hobgoblin. Foreshadowing. So, (laughs) May makes a detour to the spider shop to ask some questions to Stacy, who always seems to be working at the store. We learn that the owner likes to remain anonymous and that everything is exclusively designed in America under the direction of the owner. May also makes mention again on how her size is never in stock and it's almost as if they don't want her as a customer. The next day at school, everyone is talking about this rally that's going on to support the spider shop because Kingsley could put the shop under with his massive discount store rollout. So, like, think of Kingsley Comfortwear as, like, a Forever 21 fast fast fashion brand. Um, May's friends all assume that Spider-Girl has to be connected to the shop, which frustrates May because, um, no, what? Wouldn't she know if she was? She's not making any money off this, right? So May heads to Kingsley to talk and figure out what is going on. Um, we then cut to see Daniel arguing with Edna Mode. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. did you forget? From I, uh, yeah, I totally forgot until until I... Yeah, okay. All right. Edna Mode uh, from The Incredibles when... La Phantom shows up. Six years later, but yeah. Well, yeah, see, see, back then when this was drawn, um, you know, Marvel wasn't with the Disney family, but now this could be on Disney Plus. Just throwing that out there. Anyway. Yeah. Um Kingsley and the Incredibles franchise. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be be awesome. Anyway. (laughs) Um the Phantom shows up to rip Kingsley a new one, not only on his fashion practices, but also threatens a beatdown. Spider-Girl saves Daniel just in time, though, and Spider-Girl and Phantom duke it out. Uh, though Phantom really wants to team up and keeps telling Spider-Girl that they are on the same side. Phantom really isn't giving her all in the fight, only stinging May over hurting her, and May thinks she kind of has this in the bag. But then Phantom zaps her with a taser, uh, and knocks May out for a bit. Daniel offers uh, 
a shady royalty offer when May comes to, and May tells him to back off. She heads to the precinct to see Peter and Phil. Phantom had left a possible clue uh, that she wanted to get checked because the mist in the grenades um, was kind of slowing May down. And Peter and Phil plan to look into it and see what it what it is and see if they can trace it back to anybody. So Phil mentions he's going to see Normie and May is reminded that she is actively avoiding Mr. I can change the murderous alien goo, uh, but doesn't get into it with Phil. And she heads to the spider shop rally, which is far bigger than she expected. Is the spider shop really that popular? Did May just not notice this? Um, she then bumps into her mom, which feels a little confusing because Mary Jane immediately says she needs to explain this to May. Uh, Phil finds out that the residue from the mi- uh, from the mist is a certain chemical that I did not write in my notes, but that it's, you know, they were able to find the manufacturer and get a list of where it had recently been shipped to in the area. Um, he sent, Phil sends it off to, for Peter to look at, and when Peter sees an address, he gets a really shocked and panicked face, almost like he knows where that is. Mary Jane and May dance around each other for a bit, uh, kind of figuring out how to talk to each other after bumping into each other at this rally, uh, before the police show up. Stacy shows everyone to the back room, as she might have not applied for a permit to hold the rally. Whoops. And she locks them in the back room and locks the door, which is weird. Peter is there with the police, and we find that the Phantom is claiming to be holding the ralliers as hostages to get the media to pay them attention so they can continue to do what they want to do, which is dismantle Kingsley Comfortware and basically get him in their clutches so they can just beat them up and yell at them about sweatshop work. Uh, Mary Jane can barely hear through the door, and she hears, like, blah, Phantom, and then DeVita wonders if maybe that's the Black Phantom, um, which I thought was a funny little line because Jack Hasley, who is the Black Phantom, is actually a twin, just like Daniel Kingsley. Mm. So I found that funny. I don't know if that was intentional or not. (laughs) But anyway. Right. Um, Mary Jane thinks of a uh, plan where everyone dresses like Spider-Girl and they break out and confuse slash disarm uh, the Phantom a bit. This helps May to be able to change into her costume without too much suspicion. Hoo-ha! But May is a little upset that they have Courtney's size, but again, not hers. She's all, you know, and she's... And then um, there's also a line here as people are changing. And I don't know if maybe it was meant for Heather to say, but it's definitely looking like it's Felicity saying her boyfriend bought her one of the suits. (laughs) Who was Felicity dating? Um, I I might go into it during the review just because of everybody's fan theories on Felicity or who they want her to be with, um, because that does not line up. but also, like, who who is Felicity dating? I want to yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, everyone gets dressed, and conveniently, Mary Jane suddenly finds a key to get them out, which raises a lot of suspicion from Mayday. Um, because, again, what is going on here? Um, so the spider friends come up behind the Phantom as they are demand as 
the Phantom is demanding a trade of the hostages for Daniel Kingsley. Mary Jane gives a great spider person speech and leads the other girls into surrounding Le Phantom, which May then uses this kind of confusion to use her webs to knock the taser thingamajig from the Phantom's hand. As the smoke bombs get thicker and most can't see May, use her spider sense to web up the other bits of arsenal that LaFam has on their body, um, which just annoys LaFantom. But like Spider-Girl says, she is trying to avoid hitting them as best as possible. She just wants them to surrender. This frustrates the Phantom and May has to tackle them and throw them into the webbing to subdue them. They unmask the Phantom and find out that it's Stacy from the spider shop. Um, and then there's also a line, which I don't believe that it's, uh, I think it's someone behind May, um, but I'm not right. sure who it would be. Uh, but they basically call, they go, oh, it's Sandy, which really annoys Stacy. And I believe Courtney is technically behind May, but that feels like a DeVita line. <laughs> I, I, I will tr contribute that to attribute that to Davida. Yeah. So um, anyway, Stacy says she's going to use this and write out her 15 minutes of fame. But Officer Connolly, uh, who was with the police cars, shuts her down pretty harshly about that probably not happening. So back at home, May asks Mary Jane to come clean about being the owner of the spider shop. Mary Jane advises that with Peter's permission. They went ahead and made the shop and manufactured the merchandise. May's a bit uh, oh, Mary Jane is a bit confused as to why Stacy was so obsessed with Kingsley in the first place because, like I said, his brand is very Forever 21 versus Mary Jane knows that customers appreciate quality products. We learned that Mary Jane found Stacy at the fashion at a local fashion school and recognized her last name, Smith. Uh, she's Alistair's niece, and Mary Jane just wanted to give her a chance. Mm -hmm. May asks why they opened the shop in the first place, and Mary Jane tells her that it's exactly because of what Kingsley said. Peter never saw a dime of the comic book, so they created this to help May. All the profits are going into a college fund for her and baby Benji. May is cool with it, but still bummed that they don't... They don't stock her size, and Mary Jane says it's bad enough that she risks her neck every day. She really can't have her as a customer, too. Uh, meanwhile, at Oscorp, Phil is brought to Normie by guards. And Normie, who looks really dark and foreboding here as he takes Phil down to a very, very secure vault. Uh, Normie, who now just wants to go by Norman and keeps pushing that narrative, uh, feels responsible for Phil almost getting killed as the Green Goblin whenever he suits up. And he feels it's time for a new Green Goblin. And the vault door closes, and we get a bunch of noises and screams. <laughs> the end for now. <laughs> kind of kind of like... It, it really was. And that's fine. You can use that for them because they're dorks. Phil <laughs> and Normie are dorks, and they deserve dorky sound effects. Yeah, uh, yeah okay that's fair <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of fun visual gags that i want to mention um pretty sure that they that one of the the costumes that's on the uh on the cover and in, that's in the issue is the oh, betty grant oh yeah it is yeah in the cover i don't know who i don't think anybody wears it in the interior somebody, um, 
Yeah. Don't, we don't know who exactly, which one of the girls it is. Yeah. Uh, um, but, um, I also think that they had Maddie Franklin's costume in there too. And, uh, Mary Jane wears a variant of Peter's very first costume. Yes, she does. Uh, from, um, amazing fantasy 15. Uh, the big notable difference is, is that, uh, the back spider is blue instead of red. Also, it's kind of a fun gag from that annual that uh, had the cover with Mary Jane dressed with the Spider-Man costume drawn by John Romita Sr. So it's kind of a fun little gag there. Um, Also, big shout out to uh, Julio Peron, a.k.a. our good friend Joshua Lappin-Bertoni back when he was still using aliases to write letters to Spider-Girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and now he writes all the articles that everyone sees for DC. Yes, so yeah. exactly, exactly, including including uh, James Gunn. So there yeah. you. So, but uh, yeah, so uh, not much to say about this issue. Really fun story. Uh, the La Phantom is uh, kind of a similar thing to Belladonna. Roderick Kingsley being reintroduced into the MC2 is really cool. Um, I, I love, like I said, the visual gags there and and everything. So I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Edna Mode uh, crashing into the universe. That was fun. Yes. Yes. Um, also, like I said, it brought up a question that I totally didn't think about, uh, which was Felicity has a boyfriend. Right. <laughs> Ron does say the Phantom was, of course, inspired by the character from the 67 Spider-Man cartoon. Ah. His line exiting the storeroom was meant to be Spider-Friends. Go for it! Ah, okay. So it's supposed to be a reference to both the 67 series and the Amazing Friends series. So there you go. Which is a lot of fun, because this issue is a ton of fun, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I do want to say that... uh, you know, Normie is being icky, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, in my notes, I wrote Edna Mode is life, because I, that kills me. It killed me then. It kills me now. I love it. Um, I do love this issue because it's cute. It's fun. And who doesn't love the idea of everyone getting into a costume and just having some fun as a cosplayer? I quite enjoy it. Um, it <sighs> Like I said, I do think that Felicity's line gets overlooked, uh, and I do figure it was probably meant for Heather. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, a lot of newer fans and some older fans, uh, but I, what I've seen a lot on social media, especially lately, is how people really, really ship Felicity with Megan. And, you know, I don't... I have some hangups on that just because of the way Felicity treats her mother and seems to have some trauma based around that divorce. Um, but, you know, I just don't know. And I really want to know who her boyfriend is because it's, it's obviously not Megan y'all. So that's, there's that that's Canon that, that that's just a fanship. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so. I'm done with my notes. Uh, Zach? Yes. Uh, This brings to our last issue of the night. Um, Issue 92. Um, So, all right. We have Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Scott, uh, script, plot, and pencils. I put 
script and plot together <laughs> just now. So um, a little bit of backstory on the recap page. I talk about Nancy Lou and how Spider-Girl knows the Normions were now possessed of Venom's Venom to me, she doesn't know that he's been secretly testing it out at night or what happened to Phil when he invited Phil Yurik over for a visit. So Spider-Girl recently joined the New Avengers and other heroes against Loki, the Asgardian god of evil, and the Incredible Hulk in a battle that resulted in many serious injuries. So the Minions. Now, the this issue was released on... Uh, November 2nd, 2005. Cover date, January 2006. So, the issue opens where May is at Avengers Compound, and she's uh, going through the security. But Jarvis is kind of perturbed. Because <laughs> he's like, will you please just follow the correct procedures? So, um, May is like, I enjoy this gauntlet, though. So, uh... <laughs> Jarvis is not in a he's in a pretty foul mood uh, at first but so Mayday of course profusely apologizes uh, um, you know she still kind of thinks herself as a visitor as, as opposed to a real you know, active part of the team so uh, Stinger's got a hairline fracture uh, so she's on crutches and she talks about how she had uh, gotten it during the battle with the Hulk. Uh, she walked on it for almost a week before she finally got an X-ray. So we have this Avengers um, meeting where they have, you know, talk about Magneto, the master of magnetism. So, you know, Cole Tiger thought he was dead, so they kind of break down who Magneto is. But then there was a, a bank robbery on the Broadway bank quarter at the corner of 37th and Main. So... You know, so they kind of go back and forth saying, you know, this is not kind of his MO. So, um, you know, Stinger kind of starts kind of diving deeper into the situation and talks about how, um, you know, is it Magneto real or Mimorex, <laughs> which is a reference to the, uh, the brand that used to have like the CDs, like you used to burn CDs on the, on disc. So, I mean, you can still do that. Yeah, but people don't don't like use CDs anymore. I they know, just because it's streaming services. But right. you can still do it. Just saying, not dead yet. So uh, she pulls her aside and she talks about how, um, like, there's this there was this meeting with these so these so called mugshots were victims. Uh, and these victims of, of this person that was beating, you know, kind of kind of giving her heads up more or less about Normie. So Spider Girl then calls Normie. Normie doesn't answer. So she's kind of getting a little wor worried that she he's becoming a little too preoccupied. Meanwhile, uh, back at school, Mayday has got a stack of books. Uh, so she's bringing that, uh, bringing all these stack of books for her. That's only half of the books that she needs for the, her research paper. And, you know, Davina kind of chastises her for not using something called the modern internet. Um, so, you know, um, May is walking along, and her spider sense goes off. Whenever she say, sees Nancy. That's right, Nancy Lou. She's you know, got this little uh, gizmo in her hands, and so the two of them start she helps uh, Nancy starts helping May with the books. They really didn't get a chance to say goodbye. 
they hear a crash, and uh, Nancy basically starts yelling, I've got to go, or not yelling, uh, saying, i got to go, and so does May. So they both end up taking off because they're cha- they're changing into their respective costumes, and of course, they bump into each other. So <laughs> she's like, oh, who are you? And she's like, I'm one of the ex-people. Then it looks like Magneto starts blasting out from the bank. Nancy starts using her uh, powers to try to try to stop the attack, and so uh, Magneto, excuse me, Magneto, uh, you know, moves the platform, recognizes Mayday, which confuses Mayday because she's like, "Who are you? Like, you recognize me?" And she, the person, uh, Magneto keeps saying, "I read a lot." Various uh, objects are thrown at Mayday. Gosh, I have an awful cough. Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so don't, don't tell me you're getting you're getting the sickness. <laughs> I, I have been fighting allergies, so. Wow. Well, uh, I, I thought mine were. Allergies. Yeah, that's <laughs> but but uh, yeah, right now with Omicron, you don't know if it's allergies or Omicron. Uh, but so Mayday whips up a web shield, protects Nancy. And so, um, you know, Nancy kind of chastises May because, like, you know, <laughs> May kind of thinks maybe what they're dealing with an imposter. And was May, the, the goofball that they she fought in the past was relatively harmless. So, you know, May is kind of insisting that, look, maybe, you know, like, Maybe this is something that, you know, it isn't as all that it seems. And so eventually they decide, you know, they team up. Mayday starts using her spider sense to uh, kind of uh, do patrol. And so she goes to where um, Charlie, you know, her, 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 her hunch is correct. His real name is Charlie Phillips, and he created a harmless a harness that gives him magnetic powers. So uh, this is a reference to the, to, to the previous issue. So basically she goes back to where he used to work and she can start detecting inside. And of course, May opens the door, Spiderson's going off and starts yelling, Hey Charlie. And she's like, there is no Charlie here. I am Magneto. Sure enough, it is <laughs> not uh, Magneto, but, May keeps calling her Charlie, and so then Push uses her powers to uh, push all the electronics back at him, knocking him down, and of course, it is revealed that he is not Magneto, the master of magnetism, that it is, in fact, Charlie. So Charlie tries to use his powers, but uh, Push uses hers, and Mayday uses some webbing, and they rip his harness in half. Um, So, (laughs) of course, after all this is done, Mainframe shows up, chastises Spider-Girl for not calling for backup. And Mayday's like, it wasn't the real Magneto, but so he's apparently, uh, her reserve status is suspended for uh, pending a formal hearing. So Mayday thinks this is a little bit of an overreaction, but you know, uh, Mainframe says when lives are at stake, they need team players, not Mavericks. So (laughs) Mayday's like, Repeating to herself, uh, not the real Magneto, but okay. So, uh, Push and her start walking along. So, they end up shaking hands. Um, 
May says that she has to run one more errand, and then a few hours later, she shows up. We go to we cut over to or Osborne Plaza where Normie is uh, going through various you know parts and to security. And Mayday's like, "What do you? Why do you have beat up security? Expecting trouble?" So it, of course is a pleasant surprise. And so <laughs> Mayday's like, "If it was designed to keep her out, you know." He got ripped off. So they're going to have back and forth. And uh, May's like, don't you trust me anymore? And so May then rips off her mask, says, do not try to handle her. You know, she's like, I went against my own conscience and put myself on the line when you decided to keep the Venom symbiote. May is kind of upset. And she's like, I believed in you. Please don't make me regret it. May or Normie kind of very coolly says, everything's going to be just fine. You just have to trust him for now. So, Basically, at this point, Mace puts her mask back on, says, if you get out of line, she's going to, Spider Girl is going to take her down. So we get to uh <laughs> back to hey, hey. Yeah. That the way you were talking was a little confusing. Okay. That, um because you kept using her for Normie oh, and yeah. saying right. stuff like May said to you know, don't you trust me anymore? Um, and two, you also missed the point of the, uh, where Nancy and May kind of jump, where are pushing Spider Girl jump off. And the, cause the thing is, is that, uh, Nancy actually also got in trouble with the ex people for oh, what that's they did. Right. That's and right. Because both of them are in trouble. Uh, that's kind of why they're parting ways, but they, you know, neither one of them regret what they did. They know that they kind of went in. And right. how they needed to do. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Yeah, uh, those are really long, and I I apologize. I'm apologize. I, I'm I'm doing this on very very loose notes that I currently wrote down like right before we recorded. So I, I did miss that. So I thank you for that clarification. Uh, but yeah, it, with the, with Normie and, and and Mayday scene, Mayday shows up, confronts Normie, and says, "Look, I trust you with this with you keeping the Venom symbiote." You know, don't handle me. Don't act like you can. You can. You know, like. I mean, he's being a condescending jerk after not yeah. answering her calls. And exactly, and so he's he's not he's not being truthful to to May, and May can smell it. Like she could, she knows that something's up, and so basically, she's like, okay. When she she gets up to leave, she says, "Look, if you step out of line, I'm going to stop you, no matter the cost." And Normie doesn't say anything, so. Oh, and that, you know, she's going to stop him and that she will hate him for the rest of her life. <laughs> so a little melodramatic, but that's, you know, kind of how it is. With... Melodramatic that this is like one of her closest friends who, have, yeah. who has completely gone bananas. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm sorry. It could come across as a little melodramatic. It well, it does, but that's because we know what's happening. Right, right, right. So. So May gets back home, and uh, she's like, I'm on the outs with uh, you know, Normie and the Avengers and everything like that, and she still hasn't been able to reach Uncle Phil. So, but she also has to re you know, finish that paper. So um, she looks at the, her computer, and then she looks at her books, and she's like, I'm going to, I could take the easy route and do Davida's way, because Davida earlier had mentioned that she had done, you know, used the internet and got a, you know, got a beam. <laughs> and so May is not going to take the easy route because she knows she's got to get her grades up and so she st studiously 
tackles uh, using the books for her research paper. And she does a research paper. And that's how the issue ends. Kelly, your thoughts? Yeah. So, again, another amazingly fun issue. I love seeing May focusing on her studies and, like, really handling things in the way that's right for her, even if it's not the easy way. Uh, I also love seeing Nancy as push and getting to see their team up. I, I think this is kind of where like, I was like, oh man, I really did like miss Nancy. I would really love to see them team up together again and have more fun together, which we do, I think, see that in amazing. Um, But you know, it's just, they're, they're a great little team. I really like them. Um, And it's, they're cute. And also it's really rewarding to see Nancy be so proud of her powers and finally want to like use them for good <laughs> versus kind of just using them to look cool uh, in basketball. Um, so I, obviously, you know, the girls got into some hot water and got in trouble, but they know that they did the right thing. So they don't really have any regrets over it. And I, I kind of like them ha- having that trouble, that uh-huh. kind of sense of like, Oh, those two can't be together. It would be very interesting if May, you know, if if May trusted her enough down the road to be like, "Hey, look, I know who you are," you know, I am. I don't think she realizes it necessarily, but I, I think she kind of can put the two and two together. But I, I think uh, man, I think somewhere along, I think there's a way to interpret something in amazing where it's clear Nancy has a suspicion, yeah. but um. You know, I don't think Nancy thinks too much of it either, but obviously, like May knows who she is, and right. I would, I would like to see them be able to like kind of confide in each other and and have, you know, give May another person kind of in her corner that understands. Um, but it would, it would be interesting because she would have the perspective of being part of the high school gang plus yeah. superheroes. Like she would be the the one person that you know, besides obviously Felicity, that understands the two sides of their life well i mean there's also jj but right now we don't trust like i think (laughs) jj JJ would uh jj still thinks that that mayday is a is a is a female cop so you know no he thinks spider girl is a female cop yeah yeah excuse me (laughs) anyway um i i am like i i feel like the scene where she finally does go and confront normie is well deserved and something like you really wanted after all of like the really unsettling little bits um and i completely understand why she's worried and her trust is shaky in him because he is being a complete weirdo and not acting like himself and it's clear that he's hiding something from her and you know it's it's really concerning you know and the way that this has led up to this confrontation it really does feel like he's not good anymore like he's not the normie we know right you know that maybe like i remember first reading this and thinking okay the goblin goo most definitely changed him or that maybe venom is controlling him and it's not you know the other way around you know we we didn't know and obviously like it's funny because it's like we know normie is dangerous right now and especially like with this whole 180 at full speed thing he's doing um, but we'll find out very recently in the next uh, recording uh, what he was really up to. And, you know, it kind of then twists all of this on its head as well. And I really do like that part. But, you know, this thing where she, you know, he very clearly was trying to. Uh, 
it's so funny because I feel like Normie knows better than to uh, treat May the way he did. Like, I feel like it was almost antagonizing just to be antagonizing. Like, just just to poke fun because he, again, like I said, he almost sees this as a little bit of a game. Because he's like, I've got a secret nobody knows about. I'm about to do all this cool stuff and nobody knows. And it, it's... One, it shows it shows some immaturity, which you know I think I think we've pretty much established he's like twenty, might be able to like push him twenty one, but I really think he's twenty here, and you know he's still a kid, ultimately, and there's a I just get this feeling of immature. I guess now that like I know what's gonna happen, it's not necessarily as like creepy as it just comes off as immature and like I said dorky. But May May was very kind to him, considering all that, you know, he's kind of putting her through. Because she is keeping, too, she's keeping a huge secret. He is harboring a fugitive, you know, that people are asking questions about. It's it's not good. You are uh, muted, Zach. Sorry, including Stinger. You know, that's that's one of the things that... Yeah. And, and so, and I think that Stinger, that the one thing I'll say about that scene, Stinger trusts Spider Girl pretty implicitly and trusts her judgment. And she, not like she's not one that has kept secrets before from the Avengers, too. So, like, yeah. Well, so, I, I think that, that that's also a thing. But, too, I don't think May quite understands that right now. To her, uh-huh. Stinger is still stinger an avenger like the main avenger ultimately so you know there's still this sense of authority that she's not gonna necessarily go confide in her just you know she's not gonna go confide in cassie just yet about stuff like this but you know she she really is like she it's weird for him to say oh what you don't trust me after you know basically her putting everybody's safety at jeopardy by trusting him to keep the symbiote in con- like in his control. And yeah. now he's doing all these shady things and not talking to her and not confiding into her. She has every right to be worried. Absolutely. I, don't, I don't think she handled anything, you know, to really show lack of trust. And I think he knows that. And I think, like I said, that was him. That like it, it's, feels almost immature like again like i said like it's i know something you don't know and i want to play and this is a game and obviously he'll learn really fa- like we'll, yeah, s- we'll like, see literally. what happens and i i think that that gets shaken real fast because i think the thing is that the game itself is him i'm trying not to spoil it for anybody who hasn't like read them um or is going to read them with us but um i'll i'll get into it next episode yeah, next episode, this, this plot point really comes to a head. Um, and so, what are we going to be covering next episode, Kelly? Yeah, so uh, obviously we don't have any reviews, voicemails, or emails. Uh, no. So, so and those on the out, like as we get to the outro, but yeah, what's the next episode, Kelly? Yeah, so uh, we're going to go through Spider Girl 93 to 96. 
So we are almost to issue 100. This time, the story is really about to crank things up to 11. We get to see exactly what Normie has been up to with the Venom, the Venom symbiote. And a Avenger team-up with some tragic consequences happening when Tony's bodyguard slash roadie goes berserk. Uh, we also get a lead-up to our very last story of this original run, and we get a run-in with the Scryers. That means I get to explain what the Scryers are next episode. Yeah, we got we to gotta get deep, deep, deep into some Spider-Man lore of the 90s. Um, yeah, very 90s lore, a lot of 90s references. Um, I'm not going to hold up the covers because I feel like they're a little spoilery. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to next episode. Uh, but if you want to have your voice heard on the next episode... Um, you can always, because we're going to wrap this episode up, because I'm starting yeah. to lose my voice. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> oh wait. Um, so, you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Network, uh, Twitter uh, at Spidey Dude Radio, and at Make Mine Mayday. You can follow both of us on Twitter. Uh, YouTube at youtube.com slash Radio Network. You can f- give us a like, a share, and subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcasting catchers, such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Audible, uh, and Amazon Podcasts as well. Uh, you can always find us on Instagram at Spidey Dude Network, at Kelly McDaniel, or K McDaniel28, yeah. uh, TikTok at Make Mine Mayday, and at Spidey Dude Network. Um, Follow us on the various social media. Obviously, you can always go to spidey-dude.com for your latest updates to the audio versions of the show. If you're listening to us on the audio version, thank you. Be sure to leave us five stars. Uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify, give us a five-star rating. Uh, you can rate us. Uh, it is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just like sharing, liking and sharing and subscribing on our YouTube page, also free. All these things are free. But if you want to help contribute to the site, you can always... Uh, contribute to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Network. Thank you, Scott, Jurgen, and Greg. Guys, thank you for your contributions and your help on our Patreon. We've got some exclusive things we're going to be starting uh, very, very soon for our Patreon page. Uh, and we're very excited about that. Of course, you can listen to early episodes of shows such as Voices from the Area Gargoyles podcast, where you get to hear, uh, as of this recording, you can, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you already have heard the upcoming episode uh, where I... Myself and a guest star on that particular episode. I get to kind of break down the first five, uh, the five-part pilot of Gargoyles. So if you like Gargoyles, if you like Greg Wiseman, you like Spectacular Radio, you're a fan of that particular show and Spectacular Spider-Man, you want to hear uh, Greg talk more about his really his first love, which is Gargoyles. Uh, definitely check that out. We got some exciting, exciting uh, guest stars coming soon. Got some guest stars coming up on uh, Spidey Dude Experience here on the channel as well. And so cannot wait for that. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to us here on Make My My Day. Like Kelly said, we'll be covering issues 93 to 96 next episode. And be sure to give us your voicemails, uh, 818-925-6631. We will play those and we'll read those emails at uh, spideyradionetwork at gmail.com or makemymayday at gmail.com. Leave us some emails, leave us some voicemails, and we'll play them on a future episode. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time here on Make My Mayday, part of the Spidey Dude Radio Network and Spidey-Dude.com.